Hi, I'm Alon Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Alon's correct, everybody. This is Billy Joel A to Z, and hello, and welcome once again. Using the Friends show analogy, the one after scenes from an Italian restaurant. You know, we'd always knew we'd be taking a risk going alphabetically, and uh, here it is. Last episode's Billy's masterpiece, and today possibly the exact opposite end of the spectrum in the songs Shades of Grey a song no one ever discusses or talks about. It's hidden all right, but far from a gem, as it is the fifth song off of Billy Joel's 12th and final studio album. And I, I, I feel if, after you hear this song, perhaps it was best he stopped. Anyway, <clears throat> we don't know how our last goes yet. <laughs> this is off the album River of Dreams. River of Dreams was released on August 10th, 1993. So long ago. Shades of Grey does appear on that stupid My Life's compilation album, but only on disc five, which is a DVD of the River of Dreams tour live show. We've spoken about the documentary that exists of the making of the River of Dreams album, which is entitled Shades of Grey, which you can still purchase on Laserdisc on eBay, <laughs> which would, uh, <laughs> right? which would only be worth it if the extras were more Phil Ramone dancing from the bridge documentary. So otherwise really no reason to purchase it. Right. Or is there, we'll get to that later. Oh, but alas, none of your Billy Joe regulars are anywhere to be found in this particular documentary. Oh, and don't make the mistake I did and buy it for your nieces when they're uh, nine trying to turn them on to Billy Joel and have your sister yell at you on the phone because you accidentally purchased 50 shades of gray. <laughs> well <Hey done. laughs> so let's just get immediately to the rankings i don't think there'll be much difficulty in figuring out uh, the uh, usual christopher bananos nonsense uh christopher <laughs> bananos did a new york magazine rankings he does 121 songs elon where does he put this instant billy joel classic shades of gray I really wouldn't have thought that he would put it so, so low until you really <laughs> I feel like I'm getting hints that this is a real dud on the list. So let's go with 110. I I told you you would get it. He put it at 113. Very close. Yes, very. In that matter, if you're guessing 120 songs, I'd say you hit it on the nose. So out of 121, he hates this song very much. Why? You know, and he put possibly the best quote out of 121 songs that he's ever written. I love Christopher Bonanos for these 
there's two words that I'm going to say in quotes, because after I read it, I'm like, oh, my God, that's why this song is so I don't want to say awful, but weird. And okay. why, that's why it's not settling right. You ready for this, Alon? Ready. What do you think those two words are going to be? Well, OK, here's what I think his blurb should be. And maybe it's not what you're going for, what, what it actually is. But this is what I think he should have written. Bad, 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 bad. That's brilliant. You're so right. That would have been perfect. You could see him doing that, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. But no, it's even better than that. Okay, that's is it better? Now I'm confused because that was pretty good. No. You ready for this? Quote. Dad rock. Yeah, but that's like the whole album, I feel like. Yes, but this song screams of it. And when I saw it, I was like, that is it. Dad Rock is a cheap label, but this is pretty much it. Sounds like a lot of session musicians without a center. A song that exemplifies a recurring problem on this list. Memorable hook paired with dull verses. I think he hit it on the nose for this song. Dad Rock. As soon as he said that, I pictured, you know, a band at a of a bunch of dads at a block party in the summer in Montclair, New Jersey with the, the band that they like, you know, where if, if it's an attorney and he's like, well, you know, we have a band, it's called uh, dog bounty or something. Uh, porch rock <laughs> porch fest 2015. Uh, we played porch fest. This is that song they would be playing where you're like, your dad's in a band. Uh, well, yeah. You know, he'd be embarrassed. Yeah. What do they play? Oh, you know, shades of gray, stuff like that. <laughs> well, it is kind of funny because the dad rock bands that we saw when they played, what's the uh, the Los Angeles, uh, Los Angelinos. Los Angelinos. It was fantastic. That wasn't dad rock. That was, those are young people playing Los Angelinos. Well, I'm just saying it was like a, this is the kind of bands we're talking about with Porch Fest 2015. Yeah. Uh, By the way, so my friend posted on Instagram just the other day that he was at Porch Fest this year. Like it just happened. Wait a minute. Wait, that's a local thing. No, no, he doesn't live here. He lives down in Georgia. So I was like, oh. what the hell? I don't even know where that maybe it's a different porch fest. Maybe there's lots of things called porch fest. But I was like, what? It's back. I thought you were playing porch fest 2022. I thought you just said you got booked. You know, it's all politics. Hmm. Yeah. What can I do? Isn't it always? So Glenn Gamboa ranks it a little higher at 83, which is I'm surprised. But the fans rank it pretty much where it belongs. 118 out of 121. So, you know, this and uh, what, what's that one? Uh, all uh, the dancing one. The All you want to do is dance. All you want to do is dance. Probably be my very bottom song. So the weird thing is, Alon, you know, I don't like listening to any of the songs we haven't done yet, even though I, you know, I know some, but I try not to listen because I want to hear it fresh when we're starting out the research. Yeah. So I put this one on knowing we were doing Shades of Grey. And, and could you, like me, have not been more disappointed after doing scenes from an Italian restaurant that now we have to go to this one next? Like, couldn't it have been something, I don't know, she's always a woman or something where we're keeping it going, the, oh, my God, Billy Joel's the greatest, and then it's this. Yeah, and we really go from, like, A to Z in terms of uh, his career with those two yeah, songs. Yeah, exactly. So I put it on, and those ba-ba-bas, I'm like, oh, my God. I don't remember this song at all. I must have heard it. I know I've played the album through before, but I was, I, I, it started. I'm like, what the hell? 
it, it just I don't remember it at all. And then I guess the more I listened to it, maybe it seeped back in my head. But but and it's weird because then the song goes through the verses and then does hit. Why Billy Joel so great? Even a bad Billy Joel song, your worst Billy Joel song besides House of Blue Light. Actually, I was thinking which might be the worst Billy Joel song of all time. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> every Billy Joel song, even all you want to do is dance, has a hook. This is why we love the guy. The worst Billy Joel song is still a better song than many other bands. And when he gets the chorus, it's good. It's good. But that ba ba ba, that ruined that. This is the the French sete toi. It's bad. I don't get it. It is not a happy la 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 like we like. It's the exact opposite of uh, the, the the last one on the stranger. Every, no, everybody has a dream. Everybody has a dream. It, wait, isn't that the one? I hope so. <laughs> They're gonna be like, how do you guys not know the last? Well, we forget. We do so yeah. many songs. I don't feel yeah, bad yeah, about it that. Is. What's the one that with the la la la? No, no, no. That's not everybody has a dream. La 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 la. What's that? What's that song? La 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 la. Look at it. The both of us can't remember. <laughs> we are the worst podcasters of all time. But <laughs> if we, look, we do a lot of songs. It's not fair. <laughs> and, uh, it's get it right the first time. Oh, get it right. Th- that is off the stranger, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. So we were close. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> so all right. I don't feel that bad. Listen, again, we it's hard to keep track sometimes. It's amazing that uh you know, we can remember any of the songs at all. But it is funny that we do remember certain things. And this this bop bop ba is not as enjoyable as the la la la. But the best part, of course, is us talking about this and people are like screaming at us on the other end, like, you idiots, it's get it right the first time. Now that's the worst when you're doing a podcast. Yeah, and you know it, exactly it, it, it took is. us way too long to yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, these ba ba ba's ruin the song. As if he might as well have sung uh, part of it in French. Yeah, the la la la's are like a real smooth kind of thing. And then you hear these ba ba's and it's like, it's jarring. It makes you feel like you never hear that in a song before. And I thought that Billy just made it up, but I guess he took it from this cream song that he wanted to base the song on. But I'll just say this before we get into that cream stuff is I, it's, I don't think this is a good Billy Joel song. I would put it lower on the list for myself, but I don't mind listening to it. I do like it. I do like, the, I think the lyrics, some of the lyrics are good. Uh, so it's not like a, a thing where I'm like with House of Blue Light, where I was like, what is this? This song, I'm I'm fine with it. If I listen to River of Dreams and it comes on, I like it. Well, again, I like the hook. I like the the, the chorus. But that ba ba ba's are so disappointing. Even when you watch it live and you see the crew singing it like Crystal, it, it's disappointing and jarring. And that ruins the flow of the song. So it is a bad song because. But again, we have lots of songs where we wish we could take out certain parts and then they would be harmonious and flowing and beautiful. Yeah, like the song, if you just took out all the bapas and plus put something else in there, it could have been a, a better song. Yeah, it would be terrific. And like you were, uh, so you were talking about the lyrics. I wrote some of them down because they're, they are not horrible, but then they get a little horrible. Shades of Grey, wherever I go, the more I find out, the less that I know, because we do know this is about growing older. And, you know, what he's learned, he, he, he's becoming the angry old man instead yeah. of a angry young man, which he, which he mentions in angry young man, which of course makes his complete, his, uh, his, his legend legacy complete, uh, black and white is how it should be. But shades of gray are the colors I see once there were trenches and walls and one point for every view. 
But then it gets weird. Fight till the other man falls. Kill him before he kills you. Well, he's like rehashing. It's like uh, Goodnight Saigon, Leningrad. It's all these kind of songs. Exactly right. That's what I. I'm like, what is this? This isn't Goodnight Saigon. It's supposed to be a different album. Yeah, it's like it's his classic motif of like, hey, we're fighting, but which side is right and which side is wrong? We don't really know. He's doing it again. Yeah, these days and these days the edges are blurred. I'm old and tired of war. I hear the other man's words. I'm not that sure anymore. I get all that part, but that first, those four. Kill him before he kills you. I'm old and tired of war. I did not think that's what the song was. That was uncomfortable for me. And, you know, a song just uh, I was surprised. I thought the lyrics were a little bit more fluff. Yeah. And actually, in the version that's on the Shades of Grey documentary, the one from Boston, 1993, the live version, he leaves out that second verse. So oh, is all- that right? Yeah, it's only a three minute version and he cuts out the whole kill him before he kills oh, you stuff. So he must have seen that, too, that that doesn't fit in the song or maybe it was an edit for the documentary and i just didn't notice the clip maybe they just took out that for the documentary itself so in the doc so let's talk about the documentary for a second because there's a lot of hilarious things about it uh number one i like when he says (laughs) it's so funny groucho used to do this too (laughs) groucho mars (laughs) when you're like you do you go your whole life trying not to be jewish you know, like you're just like you usually like, eh, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. And then he's like talking about getting older and he he quotes like he's like, you know, you, you tend to become more rabbinical. Yeah, right. <laughs> he says that in a few different places. Yeah, I'm like, what? What do you mean? He tend to become more rabbinical. Who says that? Especially who Billy Joel says that. He should have said priestly. He, had, he forgot that he was pretending to be Catholic all these years. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. That's why it's so funny. It's just uh, I just the reason I brought up Groucho Marx. I just remember his a documentary I saw of him where his daughter was. She just uh, she had, had enough of him. And uh, and she said, well, Groucho, when he was young, he was very worried about the people in Israel. He was very worried. But I never heard him talk about Israel in anything ever until he got older. He was very yeah. worried. <laughs> then, then he turned very Jewish. Oh, Groucho. I mean, we all knew they were Jewish. We knew they were they were born. We knew they were Jewish. You don't you don't talk like this unless you, you know, except, except the one Italian one. Right. Who was Jewish? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he just pretended to be an Italian, but right there, which was brilliant. I mean, the Marx Brothers were the smartest brothers. When I found out that Zeppo was Zeppo like that, I didn't know that Zeppo was in the movies and he was the handsome guy. And I'm like, and when I found that out, because I never I was like, nobody knows Zeppo. We know Harpo, Chico and Groucho uh-huh. and nobody knew Zeppo. But when I found out who Zeppo was and I saw him in the movie, I'm like, oh, my God, these guys are goddamn genius. Their mother they made a Broadway show about it as a goddamn genius. She had it all wrapped up. She had the Jews, she had the Italians, she had the mute, and then even the handsome guy who could be the leading man. I mean, geez, you are so smart. You wrapped it all yeah. into one package. She wanted one of each. Yeah, it's really kind of, it's, it's brilliant. So we know that he did these Shelter Island things that Billy Joel, you know, went to reflect and he goes, I want to do things differently. I'm getting rid of the band. I'm getting rid of that annoying uh, Liberty DeVito. Uh, and he was like, I'm going to go to a place. I'm going to go to an island off Long Island. I'm going to go to a little place that is it's called Oyster Bay. No, uh, <laughs> he went to this place, Shelter Island, and he made all these songs, whatever. And then, of course, I guess it I, clearly he knew this was going to be his last album. He's like, I want to make it personal or maybe while he was writing, he figured it out. And then a lot of those songs didn't make it from Shelter Island. It 
there was a problem. They got a regular producer and then redid it. And this is the only song to have made it from the Shelter Island sessions in its form that it was. So then I don't know what those other ones were like <laughs> that didn't make it. They must have been in bad shape. But when you hear the early Shelter Island version of this song, it's actually a little bit better. The guitar riff is much more fun, but the ba-ba-ba's just are always there to ruin it. Yeah, the ba-ba-ba's are still there. It sounds a lot like the final version. I think on the Shelter Island, the bass is like really prominent in the mix. Like you really hear that bass guitar heavy. And I think in the final, that the electric guitar, the lead guitar is really more overpowering on the overall thing. Also, my favorite thing about the documentary, if we're going back for a second, is that there's a there's a Dateline NBC piece about the about the about the album and the documentary. So it's like a documentary about the documentary. Yeah. <laughs> and it's from 1993. And it's with this reporter, Joe Rappaport. She was this local reporter who kind of, you know, made it. She was definitely from Long Island, you know, but I definitely knew about her. Maybe I think I met her a couple of times. She was like around in the 90s when we were doing comedy. You know, she was like always around. Mm hmm. And uh, it's so funny because she gets to be in the studio when they're recording. And I remember she's in the studio when they're recording Shades of Grey. And I remember thinking to myself, like, it would be so fun. But then when you go back 10 years later, you're like, why do I have to be in the studio when they're recording that one? Yeah, like of all the songs they can put into this Dateline piece, like Shades of Grey is so prominent. It's right, hilarious. and the worst part is she's sitting there and they're just practicing the bop, bop, boss. And it would be funny if she was like, are you sure this is the direction you want to go? <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's like, no, no, it goes bop, 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 bop. But even the making of it is annoying. <laughs> <laughs> what I like about the Shades of Grey documentary and you referenced this earlier on is what we really loved about the bridge documentary is Phil Ramone air guitaring. Yes. Right? And Phil Ramone is not on this album and that's kind of sad, but we do get a moment during while Billy's listening to the shades of gray electric guitar solo, he's air guitaring just like Phil Ramone is no way. He, yeah. Billy is there like doing the whole thing, just like his mentor. I think I saw it and I was like, why is he air guitaring to this song? But then you could say that about Phil Ramone with Modern Woman. <laughs> right. It's, when you're so. in the studio, you're in a bubble. You don't realize that this is not going to be the greatest thing ever. Right. One of the songs we were doing when we had our first live show uh, over Zoom or whatever, I played the clip where I was saying it was just like that Martin Short quit at SCTV because Danny Kochmer or, or no, Billy Joel was doing something where he just looked like he was doing an impromptu dance. Yeah. So this documentary is crazy and weird and we can always get stuff from it um i always say this song i guess and again it's those ba ba ba's that are just so jarring like you say the perfect word to say it reminded me of the spinal tap out in the movies this is spinal tap 
Rob Reiner has he's reading an album review of their you know one of their, he's reading the reviews of a lot of their albums that's right at the beginning of the movie, and the album is called The Gospel According According to Spinal Tap, and I really feel it relates to this song. This is this pretentious, ponderous collection of religious rock psalms is enough to prompt the question: What day did the Lord create Spinal Tap, and couldn't He have rested on that day too? And I feel <laughs> that way about this song. Thank you. <laughs> That's so funny, especially since Billy referenced, you know, referenced the Sabbath in his rabbinical studies. <laughs> and he didn't record this on Friday night. I'll tell you that he was very religious at this time. You know, I'm at the age where I'm getting very rabbinical. Uh, I don't mind telling you I uh, sat for the Sabbath uh, last evening and uh, we had a lovely brisket. Uh, it was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> he should have had a brisket reference in this song. I mean, what he loves does his that food. mean? Yes. Meatball <laughs> you know, subs. Very rabbinical. What? <laughs> it's funny because for Billy Joel, he's talking about how as he gets older, it's, you know, you're not always stuck in your ways. You were able to listen to other points of view. You're not just like totally um, stubborn about what you believe. And then I look at someone like you and you're totally not like that. <laughs> you were like, no, this is the way it is. This is how it has to be. And I've been Screw that way you. since day one. <laughs> <laughs> there are no shades of gray for Dave Jusko. Uh, even all the plays I was in in high school, I'm like, no, no, no. We got to keep it pure. This is the way it's meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Why don't we do something radical? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm thinking of the movie Cocktail. Yeah, nobody will get this reference. Uh, forget it. <laughs> I'm so crazy. I'm just, he, he borrowed, I remember he borrowed Tom Cruise's, uh, he buys his own bar with a loan from his uncle who used to own this bar in Queens, you know, just like a total beer and shot bar. And he's always talking about money. You keep your money. He takes. He won't let people put money on the bar. He takes it as tips. And he's very frugal. And so at the end of the cocktail movie, he goes drinks on the house. And his uncle's there. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously the big knock on this song, as we've said throughout the whole episode, are the ba ba ba's, and they are very clearly taken from this cream song called Sweet Wine. Did you listen to Sweet Wine? I did. And I get it now. And I hate that song mostly because of that. And that it's taken from this. But it's funny. He goes, you know, you remember that Cream song? And I'm like, no one knows that song. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's what not one of their about? top 20 hits. Not even. Yeah, close. yeah, <laughs> absolutely not. So in Sweet Wine, not only are the ba ba ba's the same, but the first three lines of the Sweet Wine song rhyme exactly with Shades of Grey, right? So oh, is that right? Yeah. So instead of Shades of Grey, they say Sweet Wine, hey. <laughs> No way. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice. So it's uh, interesting. I, I never thought of this song as a cream song. I like cream, but I never would have picked, put those two things together until Billy said it. And then when you listen, you're like, yeah, I totally get exactly like why he was going for an homage to this cream stuff. And he even used the guitarist for Mountain, which was an American band that was very much like cream. Uh, this guy, Leslie West, played on three songs on River of Dreams, although not on this song. Well, everyone knows. If you listen to Howard Stern, you've known Leslie West for a very long time. All another Long Island guy. 
so it's Howard Stern, Billy Joel, you know how close they are, and Leslie West from Mountain. And Leslie West was one of Howard's heroes because he was in that band and he was on the show all the time. It was an amazing guitar player, didn't get enough credit, but he was also, you know, very heavy and, you know, not in shape and stuff. And he, he just recently actually died, which is amazing that he lasted this long. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they were all, he is one hell of a guitar player. So it was, I guess, you know, it's funny that Billy just, wanted it's weird to work with a band your most of your entire professional life where you are billy joel you know he brings on the band and then they become billy joel right and then to let that go uh, I, I guess the band was kind of dissipating obviously you had a different producer for stormfront and then he and then danny talked him into just using session musicians which is so funny when you think about it that Phil Ramone goes, yeah, let's use the touring musician guys. Yeah, let's do this, your band. And then they go back to where, you know, turnstiles was like bad because they were using session musicians or something. I don't know. It's weird that he was like, I'm OK with this again, but let's try something new. And then you would think he's bringing in Leslie West. He's bringing in some guests. Why wouldn't he just want to do this again and like try try again? And, you know, it seemed like he couldn't get back to where couldn't get back to the greasers. He couldn't, he couldn't yeah. get back to where he wanted to be. And I guess uh, leads up to him calling it quits. Yeah, he just said, screw it all. But it would have been cool if he tried again to get the whole band back together, like the old guys, even. Like- or, or even new guys, but just got a new touring band and some, something that made him happy. But obviously, a guy like him who was extremely loyal, as we, which is why I get so angry at Liberty DeVito. I'm like, how dare you? This guy has been nothing but loyal. And you've been picking on him and throwing your drumsticks at him. And he still has you on and considers you a friend, you weirdo. <laughs> I mean, a guy that's been that loyal, maybe that was the issue. You know, Alon, I've told you a hundred times, the reason I don't do more comedy is because I got to be in this happy bubble. I only like to perform where it's a place where my friends are around and I'm happy at my surroundings. And that makes me a good comic. You've seen me do well when you're around because I'm happy you're there. Mm-hmm. And when I don't have my friends there, like you went to Buffalo this weekend. And if I'm in a place like that without my friends, I suffer. I like being surrounded by the people I like. And I um, I guarantee he is the exact same way as we know from his touring band he has now for the past, you know, 20 years since then. He loves them. He loves having the same people around. Yeah, he loves them, but he's still not going to go into the studio with them. He's obviously still he's done out. with that part. But clearly he enjoys the camaraderie of family or whatever you would refer to a band, which is family, but probably another name. And it makes him happy and it makes him so, you know, all right, he's not going to go to the studio, but he continues to tour because he's very happy with the people in his life, in his touring family. Yeah, you're right. And he does continue to tour. And yet on all these live shows, he never plays Shades of Grey. Well, thank goodness for that. But I think the band is like, dude, this is this is not I mean, the River of Dreams tour. I, I think it's the same band. Well, I mean, a bunch of them are the same. Crystal's there. And uh, yeah. he's been, there's been a lot of turnover since then. I don't actually I don't think that a lot of those guys. But there, but there's there's still people there that were there all that time. And, you know, he obviously just likes that kind of stuff. But it is I wonder if he were to get rid of everybody, if he just had this crazy day where he just called everybody and said, you're all done. I hate you all. And then he moved on. He's like, I got to do something new. I, I think he would tour for a year and then he'd call it quits again. I don't think he can handle change. Yeah. But, but who can blame him? 
I think oh, a lot nobody. of us are the same. That's what I'm saying. I have trouble with that too. I totally yeah. get it. You want to feel safe and secure, and there's bandmates made them feel that way. You know, you were just saying that he never plays it on tour, uh, except the one we know from the River of Dreams tour. Has he ever played it again outside the River of Dreams tour? No, ne- never played this outside the River of Dreams tour. He's played it 25 times on that tour. It's the 70th most played song. The final show that he ever played it was in Japan on that tour. And right before he played this song, he played the song White Room by Cream. Oh, how interesting. Wow. Oh, well, that makes sense. And then he never played it again. Yeah. And I wonder, there's no, I can't find any audio of that performance. I'm sure it exists somewhere in some circles, but it would be cool to see if he actually prefaced it by saying like, this next song is based on this band that I'm going to play now. Mm. Or if he just happened to put it in there and not say anything about the fact that this was a Cream song and then here's a song just like Cream. Yeah. We don't know. One thing that's weird, did you, if you listen to the Boston Garden performance, after the first chorus, Billy Joel doesn't sing the chorus. The line Shades of Grey is sung by some other band member, but they don't show him on camera. So it's strange because you don't know where the voice is coming from. Hmm. Check it out. It, it's very Why unusual. do you think that is? It doesn't seem like it's a very difficult song for him to sing. It's definitely in a lower key. Yeah, I don't know. The whole performance, they had, you know, he had Crystal doing a lot of the work also, kind of help uh, on the higher notes a little bit. It's funny. I think of this and I think of No Man's Land on the same album. There, It was very clear at this time he was very in a lower register. I feel the quiet pie. And this one is also that same way. Shades of gray, whatever. And it's just yeah. funny. Obviously, he was having voice problems all those years of goddamn smoking where we all know he could hit. He used to be able to hit those wonderful high register notes, which made him just as vocals were just as beautiful as his piano playing. And there's obviously it now I've noticed for sure that there's a difference with this album. I'd like to hear this song in a falsetto. Are you joking or? <laughs> well, why not? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'd like Thank to hear it in a more rabbinical voice. Wherever I go, what are you going to do? Yeah. Instead of ba ba ba's and bibi bibi bums. That's where I took it from. Wouldn't that before we interview him on the show? What you what? Yeah, I actually took it from the blessing over bread. Because <laughs> yeah. you know I love bread, especially Italian bread. Because <laughs> I'm Italian, but also Jewish, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what the best is Wednesdays. Do you know why? Because it's Prince Spaghetti Day. You got that right. Alan gets it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? Yes, I've got I've got multiple ones, but I'm just going to give you this one as the trivia question. Danny Kochmer, and I'm positive I'm pronouncing his name wrong, <laughs> but uh, Danny Kochmer produced this album. But ironically, Alon, he also produced the second very real album. That's a that's a little clue of a band mentioned previously in this podcast. What is the name of that band? It's a trick question, and yet not. A band we mentioned in this episode. And they made a second, very real album. 
a very real album. I'm trying to think who we even mentioned. I mean, we mentioned Cream and Mountain, but I don't think it's any of them. Korchmar wasn't that old. That's right. Who else did we talk about? This has been such a long episode. I can't remember. <laughs> well, it's a real album. A real. About a fake band. Oh, Spinal Tap. That's right. Yeah. Okay. He made their second album. He produced their second album, Break Like the Wind. which is is still awesome uh i don't know whether you heard i mean it just happened they're making a spinal tap too oh great yeah they just said it so very that's gonna be so good i think it still will be no it will because all those 60s bands which there were like based on you know these 60s 70s rock bands now they're still touring so now it's going to be about them being like 80 years old or in their 70s and what that's like and the best is if you ever heard the dvd commentary on that all they do is make fun of rob reiner playing the character of marty de and said that it was a hatchet job they did on the band so that's what they're going to be talking about too so i'm so excited uh i mean this is one of my favorite <laughs> movies and i was lucky enough to talk to rob reiner about it for a brief second just before covid which was really exciting one of my favorite movies of all time and i can't believe danny kochmer like produced their second album it's so crazy he was a hot thing back in the early 90s i guess well yes he was uh, obviously with don henley and billy joel and there's a definite connection there the other thing i was going to tell you one of the trivia questions i was thinking of was the guy that produced this cream album that this is based on which i think is called is, is the album called sweet cream uh, fresh cream Oh, fresh cream. Right, right. I knew it was something cream, right? So fresh cream, sweet wine. Right. So I got, I got, you can see where anybody would get confused. The guy that produced that album in the very late, uh, mid to late 60s, you know, and the album, you know, they just didn't have good recordings. They're like, you know, they made it in mono, they made it in stereo. Then they, you couldn't even find the album for a while. The guy that produced that album about 10 years later would produce the greatest one of the greatest albums of all time which at this currently in 2022 is at number nine for the biggest album of all time ever is it the saturday night fever soundtrack it is (laughs) robert stigwood and yes produced the cream song that this album is based on and then would go on to produce one of the greatest selling albums of all time Fascinating stuff. It is. All connected to Billy Joel, A to Z. Uh, so, Alan, do you have a trivia question for me? Yeah, I do. Uh, so the band Cream was named Cream because Eric Clapton, Ginger Baker, and Jack Bruce, the three members of the band, were considered to be the cream of the crop. In oh, the, in I the didn't British. know that. Yeah, they were, that. they were from other bands, but they were like the best players in the blues and jazz scene of the British music scene in the mid sixties. Wow. Cool. Right? Is that the trivia question? Cause that's pretty no, good. There's no question. It's, <laughs> yeah. um, so, there, so that's how they got the name cream cream of the crop. But before they picked that name, they had some other idea for their band name, which was based on what contradictory Chinese food dish. General Chow's chicken. No, because you're close, though. What's You're really so great close. about that general that he's so important that he gets <laughs> his own chicken. And that's controversial. Controversial, but which one is very contradictory? What oh, name of a Chinese food is very contradictory? Like opposites. Dragon and Phoenix. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> or oxy- it's like an oxymoron, I guess. Hey, hey. Oh, oxymoron. Um, 
Mmm, this is good. I love Chinese food. How about some Chinese? Oh, even better. Is it like a surf and turf metaphor that you're making? It's, it sounds kind of like that, yeah. It's blank and blank. I got nothing. Sweet and sour. Oh! Well, uh, see, I wouldn't have thought that was contradictory because I feel like they do go well together, but you're right, they don't. They're opposites. They, but they do in this one particular dish. I don't even know what's sour about it. When I have sweet and sour chicken, I just taste the sweet. There's nothing it's never sour. sour. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Maybe the first guy who made it just had like a really bad rancid chicken. And he was like, uh, that's Ew. supposed to be there. That sour taste you're getting. Oh, man. So the band name was they were considering was sweet and sour rock and roll. Ugh. Which I mean, that's awful. They would never would have been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with that name. Well, that's where Robert Stigwood came in and said, come on, guys, what are you doing? What is yeah, this? What is this? Well, Elon, I am positive that there is one positive thing I can make sure of that you did in your parody today, which I assume you have one, and nobody would blame you if you didn't have one for this song. But I'm sure there will be some ba ba ba's that hopefully you'll be making fun of because you already found out with a you already came up with a better one that than Billy Joel did yeah. <laughs> earlier. So, what do you got for us today? All right, so today's weird Alon parody is called Shaving Cream. Shaving cream. Be nice and clean. Shave every day and you'll always look keen. <laughs> I'm okay with that. At 16, my mustache appeared. I said, let's grow it out. All of the other kids jeered. I started to have my doubts. These days I always shave. Don't want to be ridiculed. My face is smooth as a babe. I look like I'm still in high school. Shaving cream every night. When I use it, my skin feels all right. No five o'clock shadow on me. Shaving cream and then my Mach 3. Gillette, Gillette, let the best a man can get. <laughs> Our baby fell out of the window. You think that her head would be split. But good luck was with her that morning. She fell in a barrel of shaving cream. Be nice and clean. Shave every day and you'll always look keen. Oh my god, isn't that awful? I can't even get through it. It's so bad. Ba 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 is horrible. It should be even dot do 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 would be better. Or just no vocal, just have the band do it. Oh, good point. Oh, those ba ba ba's are awful. Well, folks, that was Shades of Grey. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single one. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Are you excited for Spinal Tap 2? I'm so excited. Do you consider this dad rock? Yes. Would you describe Billy as rabbinical? Because he does. Another child would be a blessing on your house. And which would you prefer, listening to this song or watching Fifty Shades of Grey? I'm on the fence. 
<laughs> Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Jeffskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. And now, folks, my story is ended. I think it is time I should quit. If any of you feel offended, stick your head in a barrel of shit.